Black Rise Sisters are now sponsored by Aria Comics, located at 313 Halstead Avenue, Harrison, New York. Aria Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Positive and upbeat. They invite you to come in and experience their selection and atmosphere. Looking for something new and different to read? Their staff is always willing to help you find a book that will put a spring in your step and get you hooked on something new. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. With awesome events like creator signings and Facebook Live sales, where you can find everything from mainstream comics to collectibles to hard-to-find editions, Make All Year Comics your comics destination. Their customers are the most important part of the business, and they want to hear from you as well. So give them a call at 914-732-3600. That's 914-732-3600. All Year Comics, let's be awesome together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sisters podcast, where we give you our point of view. Uh, We are proud members of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and we are so excited to bring you this show today. I'm Tamia Harper. I'm joined by my sisters, Yvette Blackman-Tom. Hello. (laughs) Sabrina Wood. Whoop, whoop. Fran T. What's up? And J.D. Keeling, Keeling, Keeling. Buenos dias. So today, good listeners, we are uh, super cheesing and super fangirling, uh, probably like you've never seen us or heard us do before, I should say, because we're talking to a real live icon in the house. So Sci-Fi Sisters fangirl. Woo! Okay, like I'm trying to keep it all reserved, but I'm really this stoked. Okay, all right. (laughs) She's a dancer and an actor and a choreographer who has graced Broadway stages and big and small screens alike. And um, if you've ever watched television, you know her face and her amazing voice. She's been on everything from Ryan's Hope to Remington Steel, from Knight Rider to Night Court, baby. She graced the space of Battlestar Galactica's fourth season and lent her voice on episodes of Family Guy. But the sisters and our mothership crew came to adore and respect her for her nuanced and honest portrayal of Kira Narice on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. My brothers, my sisters, we bring you the one and only Nana Visitor. Welcome to the podcast, Mama. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here. Absolutely (laughs) thrilled. (laughs) We are so stoked you're here. I mean, this is a true um, godsend, a true boon, a true uh, gift. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. It's truly my pleasure. I got to say, I'm going to open us up because... When Deep Space Nine was on, D.C., I live in, in Washington, D.C., and D.C. was still known as Chocolate City at the time. So Deep Space Nine was our show. Like, it did not suffer the perils like it did in other markets of, like, showing up sometimes or missing episodes. No, we made sure that D.C. was on Paramount, on UPN. Every night we were there waiting to see what happened. And Kira was our girl Mm -hmm. i mean i have never seen a white woman get so much love Mm -hmm. from folks in dc and chocolate city before Mm -hmm. truth why because we could so relate to her yes i mean yes yeah and that's the point of storytelling isn't it Mm -hmm. it's it's we are we are all human we are all dealing with the same things we all feel uh in different amounts and in different ways the same damn, you know, it comes down to the same things. Mm-hmm. We need connection. We need acceptance. We need to be seen. And so much of it was interesting. I experienced this. Uh, I went on the, they, they, they had some kind of makeup test for me. So I got the, the little snail put on my nose and they did it so well that if you saw me in person, you really didn't understand that it was makeup. So I had time. I don't know what I was scheduled to do next, but I had to stay in makeup. And I went for a walk on the lot of Paramount. And uh, I just walked around where people weren't, I guess, aware of Star Trek. 
but I got so many double takes. I got so many strange looks, not mean looks, but I suddenly felt like, what are you looking at? And I got this feeling of, hey, stop, stop looking at me like that. And it went up oh, there. There's Kira. There she is. That's how she feels. I, Paramount lot became Cardassia and I was Bajoran and this is not okay. I don't feel okay. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Hmm. Sometimes how we feel every day. <laughs> exactly. I, I hear you. I hear you. It was an interesting exercise for me and it was uh, hugely needed for my understanding of the role. I think it worked because it mm-hmm. definitely, uh, we, we felt, we felt like, um, I know I felt when I, when Deep Space Nine came on, I had just uh, joined the military. So I, my Deep Space Nine went through my whole military career. So I know a lot of veterans say that it inspired them, but it validated my experience basically. And Kira was such a badass and not to the point where she was trying to be a badass. It was just what happened. Um, Her experience made her have to be this and not to say I was a badass, but I was definitely with a lot of men and I had to be a certain way. And, you know, sometimes that makes you not feel feminine, not feel, you know, kind of gloss over. But when I watch Kira, I'm like, yep, that's what we do. <laughs> that's what Isn't we are. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that as women, we, we really, well, we get dropped into the way things are. And I, I think men don't realize it either. We're dropped into this uh, way of being that we cut off. It's like this part is acceptable for you to be right in the middle between my hand Mm -hmm. and to the left and to the right. You just have to cut that off. And that was what I was determined not to do with Kira. And I could do it because I wasn't human. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yet he was the most human character I have ever played because I could I it didn't matter. It wasn't gender it wasn't anything it was human spirit Mm -hmm. and how it responds how it makes mistakes how it's imperfect and how it grows yeah I think for me that was one of the uh, hallmarks of my love for Kira is how she grew because it, it you know she totally for me she mimicked so much of my own experience and um you know going from this very uh not reactionary, almost reactionary sort of responses. I mean, she was conditioned. I mean, she grew up in this horrible way, right? She grew up fighting, but her thinking was so boxed in and so limited mm-hmm. until she got this other exposure and until she learned. And that's, how, that's exactly how I felt. I feel like that, like you summed it up perfectly. That is a, a human experience and uh, speaks to the power of the exposure and, and knowing different people other than ourselves. Absolutely. What is it? Is it game theory? There's some kind of mathematical theory that um, Michelle Fowler was talking to me about, and she's an astrophysicist. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me uh, bow my head for a moment (laughs) with huge respect to a NASA scientist. And she was saying that game theory proves over and over again that diversity is gives the best answer from a from a diverse group is where you can come up with the best answers for all of us for the future. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I loved about Deep Space Nine, because some people said, oh, it's too much arguing and too much this. And it's like, yeah, that's the way it's going to be. If we figure it out, there's going to be more conversation. We're not just listening to one person and going, I, I, you know, there are going to be a lot of voices in the room and there needs to be. It needs to be, yeah. Absolutely. Sabrina, I know you had a question. No, I was just sitting here, just listening to Nana. I can't even talk. No, but what what I wanted to say was that of all, we have three levels of ages here on this, in this show. We have the two OGs, and then we have the two millennials, uh, the two G, uh, Gen X Gen X Gen and then the Gen Xers Gen Xers I'm an X Gen so <laughs> so I've come into Star Trek each each franchise is brand new watching it and and I have to say that when Deep Space Nine started 
it started off and I knew right from the very first episode, this was going to be the show. And, and I swear to God, it, I already knew, you know, Avery Brooks was there. And so that was just, that was it. I, you know, I was done. I'm like, well, you know, there's nothing I'm going to say. This is the show. But then you came on and I'm like, who is this bitch? And who does she think she is going to go up against Avery? I'm like, <laughs> right? I'm not too sure I'm liking this show at all. And, and then by the end of that, that two-parter, I was like, Kira is my girl. <laughs> Kira is my girl. girl. It was like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I love that. Yes. I love that. Immediate. Oh, yeah. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh, she's one of the family. Let's yeah. go. That's the sister right there. It is. That's it. When you, when you first came on to that set, um, were, how are you feeling? Were you like, were you comfortable or were you intimidated or were you just ready to get to work? And Yeah, I was, I was so determined. I had had a baby three months before we started filming and it was not pretty. It was like one of those births and it was a C-section and I'd been in labor for a day and they finally took the baby. So I was all, I, it, it was a tough recovery. And I got the call to audition for this show and I went, well, first of all, I, I, I read it and I went, I called my manager. I said, this isn't for a woman. Mm. I think they've made a mistake. And he said, no, they, they want a woman. And I was like, oh, oh, I, I can actually see it in my head right now where the, I can see that piece of paper where I started reading, uh, when major Kira came in and, uh, I wanted this so badly. I wanted this so badly. And from the moment I read the script, it was like, this is mine. So I had this determination and I remember meeting Avery. Uh, we met we met for a reading, but we met on the streets of Paramount. And uh, there was a, like a, a bunch of us meeting for the first time. I think Renee was there too before we went into the reading. And I think he looked at me down his nose and kind of <laughs> went, okay. And I thought, just wait, I'll... Just wait. I want to play tennis with you because uh, I was such a huge fan of his. Oh my god, um, his hawk. Oh my god, mm-hmm. just, right? <laughs> oh yes. And so it was more. I mean, you can you can interpret your nerves, your sweaty palms, and your the butterflies in your stomach. That can be nerves because we have that if we watch a horror movie. But we also get it if we're in love or if we're just, if our brains are just going, focus on this. This is important to you. And that's what I walked in with. Focus on this. Be here now. This means so much. And David Carson, the director of that, those two episodes, was so generous. I believe... Uh, Now, I could be being egotistical here, and it was my first time on set, so it was the first time anyone was on set, but I think it was. I think it was the first thing we filmed was that opening scene where Avery comes onto the set of uh, Ops, and um, I, I couldn't believe that David said, take all the time you want. He didn't stop me. He said, where do you feel like you would go? That's crazy for a a director of TV. Usually it's like, we got to get this. You're going to go here. I've set up the cameras. He didn't set up any cameras. He let me run the scene. He let me feel it out. We rehearsed it and it took too long. And I know it was expensive, but he gave me the grace of being able to fit myself in and play, Mm -hmm. you know? That yeah. wonderful creative process. Oh wow! It worked. It, the best, it, it best, was a best gift. premiere of Star Trek. That's my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I couldn't <laughs> believe when I saw it. I could not believe we made that. That's right. wonderful. Yeah. It yeah. is so good. Yeah, so amazing. I would like to say that I think Deep Space Nine of all the series have stood the test of time. It has aged better than all of the series you can 
you can stream it, you can look at it here, you can look at it there, but it has, and I always defend it saying it's the best acted, the best directed, the best everything is Deep Space Nine. I, I just, I just love, it's my favorite show. I just love it, you know, and, and when I first saw you, I'm like, oh, well, look at her. I like her. I really like her. <laughs> then when you came back with the haircut, I like, okay. Oh, she, yeah. Oh, the haircut was everything. <laughs> you liked it. So many oh, yeah. loved it. You like it. So many oh, people were like, but you know, I couldn't figure out, even if Kira just stuck her head in something to get that helmet head look, it was like, she wouldn't do that. She no. would not bother, even if it's a second to put your head in there and it comes yes. out like that. I, what's the point of that? And someone can pull it and it's like, get rid of right. my head. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was so much. Kira was so much more practical than that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That was my feeling. That was yeah. definitely my feeling. And I tell you, Kira, Kira had the one like cat suit look that I so wanted to wear. My <laughs> rubber know. suit, the intendant suit. Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Your regular, your regular, oh, my regular outfit. You just oh my like, goodness. yes, yes. Whenever we saw that lunch. outfit, it was like, can't oh, lunch. man. You <laughs> can't eat lunch without it showing. It was like, oh, no, I must have eaten a meal. There it is. <laughs> right there, but And there was no way of, like, moving the belt up and down to hide it. It was like, ah, <laughs> there it is. That's how I am. Okay. You're the only one that can wear that suit. Then. <laughs> That's why I looked. I was like, I would. My time for being able to cosplay Kira in that outfit is long gone, baby. Yes, totally yes. Long gone. First, never here. I never had it. The first outfit was a lot easier. That's a lot more comfortable. That was a lot more comfortable. You know, the two piece from the first season. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I could get myself out of that by myself. The other one, it's like. Right. I got to find someone if I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, my God. It, it actually wow. looked a little bit more comfortable. Like, you know, like the second, like when you got the second outfit, you could see like it was just like. Oh, yeah. Like more like uh, a tight mm-hmm. pasture. I'm, I'm showing people on Zoom and forgetting that we're actually doing a podcast. <laughs> we got it's, you. We got it's you. the square shoulder look. That's yes. what you're right. showing. That is exactly right. <laughs> I, was, I was square shouldered into that thing. And listen, it had it had the styling undershirt too. I mean, we even like the undershirt. Like but the undershirt when it's not digging a grave or something, we will. We That's ready. true. That's very true. Yep. Although that wasn't that was a whole other costume. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to have that undershirt. It was like if I wanted to be offset for a while, if they were doing, uh, you know, changing the the cameras. Mm-hmm. I had a black undershirt underneath and I would just drop the top because it was hot. Mm-hmm. That was a hot thing. So then I, to, to film, I, I get it back on. Ah, uh, secrets. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think that, I mean, and I sort of said a little bit of the same thing to Noah the other day, like, I mean, Kira's character was written so wonderfully However, I think it's really what you brought to the character that made us fall in love with her so much because it takes a woman who's known something to play a character like her. Like you can't come to that as an ingenue and have never experienced loss, uh, never experienced deep love, you know, never experienced heartache. You know, you can't bring that. You can't just make create it snap your fingers and create and so you brought all this depth and layers to her that just made her so fascinating for us and and so identifiable you know thank you so much for that thank you what beautiful words thank you and I think you're right you do have to uh you have to feel the whole scope of being human fun or not fun uh to be able to go there yeah I I I have a I'm curious to know what you might think of how Kira would be acting, would be reacting to the situations that's going on in this country today. If you don't want to go into that, that's okay. I can understand um, uh, how are the dynamics in our country, huh? The dynamics in our country. I think it's a really interesting question. And I think I'm, I'm just putting my Kira head on right now. I think that she would be uh, creatively 
I mean, I'm assuming that it would be Bajor, her country, going through these mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that she would be, uh, I can see her going into a retreat to uh, to come up with creative ideas for what people need to do. But, you know, uh, here's my thought. You know, what's true for the big picture is true for just us. And as I struggle with all these things that are going on, I see one of the things women struggle with is that we're always told don't say no. And then we're told say yes to every opportunity, <laughs> and and there there's a, a pretty soon we don't have a connection with our own identities. We are so busy fulfilling what other people need or want or demand of us, and uh, I think that leads to <laughs> that leads to this place where no one's listening anymore because. No one has a strong boundary. You can't have compassion unless you have a strong boundary because you take care of yourself first Mm -hmm. and then you give what you can to others. And if more is asked of you, you're going to go down. Everyone's Mm going to go down. And we, we have to have strong boundaries, be able to say, I do see women as being one of the answers. They seem to be over and over again. And we have to have strong boundaries, understand that we, when we do say no, there are consequences. It's not necessarily going to make it easy, but we'll hold on to integrity. It seems to me that everyone's acting without integrity or a lot mm-hmm. of people. I won't mm-hmm. say everyone, a lot of people. What's your feeling? Yeah. What do you What's think Kira would think? Because, you know, I ask you because you, this is someone you identified with. Mm-hmm. So you have a beat on her too. Yeah. What? I think, I don't know. I think early Kira might've been uh, more, uh, less, um, less student nonviolent coordinating committee and more Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, and I and I think she might have come to uh, some other realization, more like how Malcolm X and Martin Luther King moved towards some commonality together, recognizing that you know, hey, the economics is our issue, um, not so much the race. I think Kira is evolving. I think her understanding would have evolved into a different uh, paradigm, a different working paradigm. Then that's my personal. I don't know about anybody else. That's kind of where I'm thinking. I definitely think that's the. I, I, I think that's definitely the course that we saw Kira evolve in during the whole seven se- seasons is that she was definitely, you know, the Black Panther Party in the beginning, but then, you know, she was more, maybe more of a politician by time, uh, by time it ended um, and more of a politician that kind of was across the aisles, you know, let, let's, let's talk, let's try to get this, let's work this for the people. Um, that kind of politician, um, but definitely, I could, see, I see the same thing you did. That she she was definitely not wanting to hear anything that anybody had to say. Let's have action in the mm-hmm. beginning, but in the end, you know, she was she was always willing to go to the table to see how we could make you know Bajor better for Bajorans for the for the Federation that kind of thing. Well, if you're not heard, if you're speaking. And you're not heard over mm-hmm. and over and over again. It yep. you you uh, then you start making screaming. bigger noises. You start <laughs> yeah. screaming. That's right. And this is this is exactly why I say that uh, myself as a black woman, why I related so much to Kira. Mm-hmm. You know, because that was constantly my experience um, as being uh, devalued, undervalued, overlooked, not heard, ignored. And, you know, people, that's where the angry black woman trope comes from, you know, when you finally snap and say, look, damn it, you know, A, I've told you this a million times, or I'm right here. I can't tell you how many times I walk down the street on a crowd and people just try to walk right through me, literally, like I'm like, they do not see me, like I am invisible. And at some point you do snap from that, you know, I 
I've been putting up boundaries for a long time. I I worked in a psych hospital, and this doctor, actual MD, called me girl. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute, hold up. And I called him boy back. See, I didn't. I'm not the one that like fades away and people try to make me invisible. That doesn't happen to me. Hasn't happened to me. He said, "Did you just call me boy?" I said, "Did you just call me girl?" You call me girl, I call you boy. He called me Miss Fran from then on. You know, I, I don't, I don't, and, and when women, yeah. especially women, put up boundaries, people think, oh, you hold a grudge. I'm like, no, I saw what you did. I'm not going to let you do that again. Mm-hmm. This is exactly, I have clear boundaries. And if we don't do that, then there's some kind of silent permission mm-hmm. given. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to get that in there. My grandmama told me when I was a little girl, silence gives consent. Mm-hmm. And I figured it out by the time I was 12 years old. And I've been talking ever since and yeah. setting clear boundaries with people. And Fran, when you do set boundaries and they're not well accepted because people don't like boundaries for the most no. part, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with what comes back at you? I say, well, this is what happened. This is how far I'm going to let you go. And I'm not going to let you go this far again. I say, no, I'm not holding the grudge. I saw what you did. You're not going to do that to me again. I'm not going to give you that chance to do it again. You know, and I'm not going to be quiet about it. So I've always, you know, that's been, you know, I had, I had this really strong grandmother, you know, Mm -hmm. we used to look at, you know, Star Trek together. She didn't know what she was looking at, but um, <laughs> I was like, she did. She had no idea. But I told her, this, you know, the colored lady is coming on tonight. And that was uh, Miss Nichols, you know, because I was 11 years old when I first, I'm an OG. I started TOS in 1966. And I said, Grandmama, the colored lady is coming on tonight. And we're going to look at it. She said, well, yes, we are. She had no idea what she was looking at, but I liked it. <laughs> and what did you get from watching the show? What did, what did that mean to you? From, TO, from TOS? Well, yeah. being, uh, I'm, I'm from Virginia. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm from Virginia. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not your fault, girl. Y'all tried. You tried, it. girl. You tried. <laughs> okay, so, um. What I got was I was 11 years old and I looked up and I saw this woman on TV who was articulate and pretty and had this thing in her ear and people were listening to her. Mm. The people around her were listening to her mm. and she wasn't a servant. She wasn't a prostitute. She wasn't demurring to these people. And I thought the world, that was it. I was hooked. It was like, Oh my gosh, look, she's on TV. She's not a maid. Look at this, look at this. And I knew, and, I, and whenever we looked at Star Trek, we always centered her. We even centered her when she wasn't on there. But being an 11 year, 11 year old black girl in Virginia in 1966, it was a miracle. I, I, I saw something I had never saw before. And I knew that I was going to be a Star Trek fan from then on. I knew it. So. That's what I got from it in September of, you know, 1966. Wow. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> That's really that cool. Story. That's really special. I know. I love that story, too. That's so Always special. And your grandma sounds really wonderful. And, you know, I wish. Grandmamas are deep. You know, grandmamas, grandmamas are deep. I wish I, I wish I still had my grandmama with me, but she, she oh was a deep Indian woman from North Carolina mm-hmm. and, and she taught me a lot too, but you know, I was a little hard headed. I had to learn some of these lessons you know? over and over, <laughs> you know, like when you're talking about boundaries, you know, it wasn't until, um, like I got in, I'm in recovery. I'm been sober for a number of years and it was, it wasn't until I got into recovery that I started to learn what personal boundaries were, hmm. you know, because they threatened my sobriety and with people I love and how to put, how to put up boundaries and then how to really, and what that taught me though, was really about how to love myself 
and how to respect myself. And I think that's the key of what you're talking about there is that we are not taught, we always taught to value other people. Women particularly are taught to value others before we value ourselves. I work in retail and like in clothing retail and I work at a big box store and the way that we have to display clothes when you come in the store, it goes men's, children's, then women's. Because we always, we're the main purchasers, but we always buy for others first. Isn't that amazing? Wow. I never thought about that psychology. That's amazing. That's amazing. And the, and there, you know, there's so much, there, there are a lot of people who say, oh, but you give yourself love. That's selfish. No, 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 no. That's the first step. And then once you know how to do that, then you're ready for community. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. But you can't yes. give out what you don't have. That's right. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. We are exactly. preaching preaching to the choir. Is well, that yeah. you can't give out what you don't have? <laughs> I, I think that's one of the things I loved about the character Kira too, because she went through that whole episode of finally forgiving herself for what she had done. And Kira's arc is amazing, and that that whole scene where she finally forgives herself for what she had done as a as a terrorist, and then she can finally let it go, and now she's you know she's a good guy now. But it, it was interesting that they went there with that whole thing, and we saw Kira actually upset about what she had done. You know, she had all this bluster about yeah, yeah, and I did this, and we did that, and we got all this done. But then you know she was like. I did some really terrible things and I have to forgive myself. And I, I just love that, uh, those episodes where we really get into the character of uh, a person who was in that situation and what they had to do to get out of it and survive. I agree. And the, 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 the show um, that uh, duet That where you know, not only did did my character have flaws in this, she was prejudiced, and she she meets her claiming it. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and she meets her prejudice right there with this man who had nothing to do with the evil, who hated it himself, Mm -hmm. and that and that's such a turning point for her. That show was so big for me to realize where she was, but it's, you know, can you imagine anyone giving, well now probably, but back then giving a character a chance to be so flawed as to be prejudiced and then to find her way out of it. That's, that's, that's that's, that's, DS9. That's DS9. (laughs) Gave, gave the viewers a lot of credit. Yeah. It it really did. Yeah, yeah. It, definitely. It's so refreshing. Yeah, it didn't. It never and talked every, down to us ever. Never, ever. Nope. And Fran, you were mentioning before that it is te- it stood the test of time. I mean, I look at far beyond the stars. I had mm-hmm. to watch it again a few months ago, and it's like, oh, yeah, stood the test. Yeah, we're still still dealing with the same. Still dealing, still still rolling it around, trying to figure it out. You bring up Far Beyond the Stars, which is uh, admittedly one of all of our favorites. Um, It's one of my favorite Trek episodes, literally of all time. Um, It's it's probably that and The Visitor, number one and number two for me. Um, um, But I know that in, in the documentary, you talked about the intensity of filming that situation, of, of filming that, that, that one particular scene where Avery Brooks is on the floor and falling out. But how is it uh, filming the rest of it for you all? Because um, I would imagine that it had to cause some friction, like because you're internalizing so much, right? Or what? <laughs> yes, but but when you are in the scene, when you are doing the character, you have to uh, you you have to eliminate the thoughts of judgment of what's going on, and you have to stay right where that character is in their frame of reference. Mm-hmm. So um, no, it 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 wasn't it wasn't uncomfortable because she was completely unaware. Uh, 
full of empathy, but unaware that this was a moment for her maybe to do something mm-hmm. other than just watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such an important episode. I, mean, I It gives me chills sometimes just even thinking about that one. And it, and it makes me cry every time I watch it. Me too. Everything. Yeah. It's so powerful. But, you know, you, you said something a, a minute ago that made me think about, you know, what, what did Kira teach you? Did she teach you anything? Did you gain anything from Kira? A lot. A lot. Um, she made me think about issues that as an actor, as someone who worked in, you know, the creative world and was, you know, I mean, to a certain extent, you can be in a complete bubble when you're a creative because it takes so much focus. It takes so much of you. And if you even think about having, you know, a family, it's like it's overwhelming. It's already you're doing too much. Things are falling off the plate. But um, she made me go deep and identify how I I needed to identify where I stood on everything before I could understand how far it was where Kira was. And once you drop those thoughts, this is the thing. I mean, and it's true for all of us, not, not just when you're acting. You drop a thought in your head. Like when I spoke of what happened, the atrocities that happened, my body believed those things were going on and true right then. My nervous system reacted. The tears weren't acted. They were real. I've always worked that way, that you drop the thought in and let everything else happen. So one thing I learned is that, that thoughts create feelings, thoughts create moods, thoughts control us. And we need to control our thoughts. So I learned very much to uh, focus on how I allowed my thoughts to go, when to let go of them, when to hold on to them. Um, Because those seven years, which by the way, they were like dog years. You know how they say, it was like 49 years of my life. (laughs) It was long. It was it, it was like, you know, we just worked the whole time. It was unbelievable. I don't think anyone does those hours, nor should they do those hours anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it taught me to be able to toggle my brain at will, to be able to leave thoughts that were traumatic and bring them when I needed to and know how to leave them again. Um, because otherwise they overtake you. Mm-hmm. Wow. I need that in my life. <laughs> the toggle switch. That's the what I need. Switch. We all do. We yeah. all need that because yeah. it's the thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's the thoughts, which mm-hmm. are supposed to be like clouds, right? They just, <laughs> they come and they go, but then we lasso them, put them in front of our face and see yep. the world through that cloud. And that's mm-hmm. all we can see. We can't see the big sky. That's such a beautiful way of describing that. (laughs) That is, I will tell you who that is. I put my own spin on it, but it's Tara Brock, who is a wonderful teacher and a writer. And she talks about being in a plane. And when you're in the clouds, you don't realize that you are in this this huge sky, this expanse that you are, if you are focusing on just one thought. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna have to read her now. Uh, yep. <laughs> yep. <Okay. laughs> so, go ahead, friend. I'd like to ask this question, and I told y'all I would. Um, you know, when you put the beat down on uh, Damar, Casey Biggs, and um, and you put the beat down on Damar, right? And I read a. a uh, an interview with him in one of the uh, sci-fi, one of the Star Trek things, that he didn't like that very much. Him as Casey didn't think it made sense. And I'm sitting there and I'm reading this and I'm like, well, why wouldn't it? I mean, she's a strong woman. And she's she trained. Down. She, she did what she 
what she was supposed to do. She was like a mother fighting for her child. A mother would almost just beat you down if they could. That's and right. Said it didn't make sense, you know. And I'm like, I don't see why not, because I would do the same thing if I was in her place. Put the beat down on you too, you know. Absolutely. And, she won. and he went on and and he looked like he had been kicked in the face by a mule. <laughs> No, I remember him not liking that, not thinking it was uh, realistic. But it may not have been realistic, but it was truthful. Yeah, right. I thought it was realistic. Yeah, believe me, I've seen no problem with it. Yeah, he just didn't know enough sisters in his life. That's all. That's all. all. Because it was definitely that was that was very realistic, especially if you trained. Right. Right. She knew where to hit you. That's right. That's it. That's I don't right. care how big you are. No, really, you don't care. Kira didn't care. You know Kira didn't care. No. Um, I have a couple of questions, but the one I really wanted to ask was we going back to Far Beyond the Stars, but not not exactly. One of the things I loved about your performance in D Space Nine was when you were playing non-Kira roles and you were playing like a version of Kira, either in the Hollow Suite. So, uh, the, Natasha the Spy, one of my favorites. Oh, awesome. Love her. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> my God. Oh, my God. Uh, was she Commander? I think she was Commander Kamananoff. <laughs> I mean, you know, I didn't get the, the name for a long time. I didn't, but of course, it was a takeoff of Bond, so she would yes. have some filthy name. So, was, yeah. Come on and off. Yes. <laughs> All I could think of was like Boris Badenoff and Natasha. And, and Natasha. <laughs> Kira. And I loved it. I loved you in, you know, Bada Bing, Bada Boom, whatever that one. The oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were playing like the, the mall the, the, in the casino. And I loved you when you did the, you know, the Peggy Lee fever. Now stop. Oh. Stop. Everybody stop. I beg for that. Stop that. I, I rolled that, that back. <laughs> I begged for that for that song, not that voice, for that song, because I think they wanted me to sing something uh, the way you look tonight. It was something very soft and mm-hmm. romantic. It was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's got to be hot. Oh, it's yes. got to be, you know, and they they said, oh, I said, how about fever? And they said, okay. Iris Stephen Bear went, all right, we'll get it. And they did. Perfect. It was so awesome. And you were so steamy. I mean, it was just like, wow. Oh, I was like, I, I, I feel like I really shouldn't be watching this moment. I just <laughs> seems like I'm really personal. <laughs> Am I supposed to be here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> seems like a private so, moment. I want to talk about what's coming up in the future because you're doing this project uh, you're doing this book, A Woman's Trek, right? Is that the title of it? That's right. And I can't wait to read it. I hope it's a documentary too. Uh- <laughs> that's, what we are, that's what we are working on. And uh, I think it began as a very different, the publisher approached me and it was kind of a different, easy, you know, book. And it became something more as we started to get these interviews and film all these interviews. And it's just, um, it, it's fascinating. And the people that are in front of the cameras and behind the cameras on Star Trek are fascinating, but oh my God, the people who watched, who were affected, who speak of it like Fran and what that meant and what that shifted for them in their lives, in their heart. Um, talking to to these scientists from NASA and I'm going to be speaking to astronauts and I spoke to Stacy Abrams <laughs> oh my god now I have to tell you I have to tell you I am the worst I almost did it for for this meeting too mm-hmm. I thought okay so they filmed this at 5 30 that means means I'll be ready at 8.30 at night because uh, it's California. And it took my husband saying, no, no, you're doing that wrong again. And you have to. So, thank God for him. 
would not have been show. I would have been waiting for you promptly at 8.30. (laughs) And this time it wasn't actually my fault because you wonderfully said Eastern Standard Time. But Stacey's publisher, uh, Leader Abrams' uh, publisher, she said I could call her Stacy, so I just did. (laughs) (laughs) Let's say it right. Leader Abrams' uh, publicist said, um, you know, it. 130. So uh, I thought 130. I just assumed LA time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I was doing something else. And I get a text saying, Leader Abrams is on the phone for you. And I'm like, oh my God, I had planned to do all this fancy filming. And it was just like, just get on the phone. And she was so beautiful. She said, I'm sorry. You were, do you want to do this later? It's no. like, no. No. <laughs> no. Even if I am flustered and out of my mind, I'm not going to take a minute more of your time. Can you imagine? I just want a film of Leader Abrams sitting there waiting for me, <laughs> waiting for me to show up. Oh my God. I was horrified. I was so horrified. We would have waited. Right, we would have waited because we've been, we've been here a while waiting. We would have been just sitting here for three hours, like I'm yeah. gonna just wait till she She'll comes. Be here. I don't care. That, it horrifies me when I do it, and I do it all the time. Uh, so, so well, I just I just wanted to point out that you said the reason why I make sure I put Eastern Standard Time because our first guest was Sirach Lofton, and I did not do that for him. Uh, and. No. That was a mess. He was like, that was... I thought you said, I'm like, Sorak, you know I live in New York. What is wrong with you? You live in New York. He goes, oh, you got to put it. And I was like, from now on, no matter what, I put Easter Standard Time. So you can think Sorak for that one. And I still almost messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got it together. So it's all good. That's it's right. all good. It's all good. Yeah. So when are we, when can we look for the book? And and will you give us a little bit of like why you wanted to do the book? Well, what we're looking at is well, project. 55 years of uh, Star Trek. And you think of these women, it's the women that we're looking at. And you think of the times they lived in, these actors, the people who work behind the scenes, the writers, and what they were dealing with. Um, and they were giving so much hope. Nichelle Nichols was giving hope to an 11-year-old Fran. Mm-hmm. And yet, what was she living through as an actor in those times? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the cultural effect of women and what the truth for these women was is what... Um, we're investigating and uh, it's I have to say the process is shifting me and making me aware of so much I read a young woman's book her name is Jess Zimmerman and the book is called uh, Women and Other Monsters and it looks at mythology and women Mm -hmm. and how we need a new mythology Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) where if a woman is too much has extra limbs and you know is too tall too big all these monsters medusa you know it's always women being more than what we are supposed to sit down and be quiet and be good at Mm -hmm. what culture tells us so you know she says uh her thing is you know embrace being a monster and enjoy it Mm -hmm. and use it um but she said something I, I want to hear what you have to say about this, that the quote is women are often on a diet of the body, but always on a diet of the heart. Hmm. <laughs> Meaning that we have to, yes, we diet, we try to get smaller, we try to fit in where we're supposed to fit in, that goes up and down, but we are always managing expectations managing what we think we can have does that make sense to you does that resonate or not tell me the truth i'm interested thinking about it i don't know i've kind of given up on that but what does that mean what does that mean that you've given up 
Well, you know, diet of the heart. I'm I'm single. I'm happily single. And I don't mean love. No, I don't think she. I don't that. mean love. Uh-uh. What do you mean? I don't mean love. I mean yeah. expectation of yourself, what you can have, and what you can be, and what you're allowed to be. Oh well, I can answer oh. that. I, yeah, I, go ahead. I I think that um, you know, I'm I'm two years younger than Fran, so I was nine when the show came came on and you know we've been told uh, a whole different story from what Tamir and Yvette was told and then definitely what JD was uh, told you know you could do or you could have so um, for me for example when I was young I, I wanted to be so many things that at the time you know you were just told no that's not going to happen you're, you're not going to be in films, you're not going to be a screenwriter. You, you're not, you know, you've got to just get a nice little job and be an accountant. And I don't know what, you know, what you think you're doing. And now at this age, I'm realizing like Fran is saying, like what she just said, I'm done with that. I, I'm expecting I can do whatever I want to do, even at this age, even at 65, mm-hmm. that it's not too late to start it. And because I have broke through that, you know, you, you can't do anything more to me. You know, you really just can't. I've I've gone through corporate. I've gone for the stuff and found out that it was just not what I wanted. But, you know, I've I've been married. I've been divorced. It's just like you know what else you got? <laughs> Come on with it. So uh, it's all about you know what I want now. And like we were talking about being selfish earlier, but. You know, it's sort of like a self-discovery that freed of all of these expectations of what my husband would have wanted, what my boss would have wanted, what my family wanted me to do, you know, even what my girlfriends wanted me to do. Oh, you're so extra. You're mm-hmm. so special. I'm like, but yes, uh, indeed I am. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you give it up and you, you find your tribe that is like you. And here we are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't I know if I've, I've always, um, I don't know. I've always been a very, I like being alone, but when I am out with other people, I'm okay with that, but I've always been okay with doing tons of stuff. I, I've never been told no, that I couldn't do it. I, I probably have been, but I probably didn't pay attention because mm. I had people like my, my aunt is, is a general in the army. Uh, you know, I know my family history. So when you have when you have that, when you have people telling you, this is what we do, this is how it is, you know, sometimes you feel like, oh, am I really doing enough? <laughs> you know, can I live up to the so, expectations, you know? So was that, and, oh, so that's a whole other dynamic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so was that, and, uh, did you have a, a woman mentor? Yeah, all, I mean, my whole family, they're mostly women, Um, but we have, I mean, we have a lot of men. It's it's funny, we always say the women are the ones in their family that, you know, they're strong, everyone knows what they did. The men, we know them, but they always seem like they're like secondary. (laughs) We love them, (laughs) we love them all. But can't wait to see your Thanksgiving event. Right. Well, it seems like, you know, the women, they're like, oh, remember Auntie this and Auntie that? Remember when uh, cousin this did? But it's always the women that we talk about. And it it doesn't mean that there aren't any men around because we have a lot of strong men in our family, but they're very supportive, (laughs) extremely supportive. Uh, Even if they're not, you know, they don't commit, (laughs) but they're very supportive. So, wow. um, yeah, and and I think that's that's probably why I've always been okay with trying new things. I get scared trying new things, but I will try them because I wasn't I was always told that I could. Um and I do the same thing for my daughters, you know. Um they try all kinds of stuff. Stuff that I'm like, "Wow, you tried that?" <laughs> wow, you so, did that? So that that really tells me if we don't listen to the culture and in our family yeah. We encourage and mentor, yeah. not just have families, but mentor within. Yeah. That's that can just have make all the difference. I think mm-hmm. it does. I mean, because I I know all kinds of stuff were going on outside my house. I lived in the mm-hmm. projects when I was growing up, but you know that had nothing to do with the way I was being raised. You know, right. I mean, I had to deal with the nonsense outside, but I ran to the library, so I was good. <laughs> I was 
like, I'm going to the library. I'll be fine. It's always an answer. It's <laughs> always. Right. Always. Yeah. I have to say, for me personally, uh, as I have told many a friends, I have the confidence of a young white guy who's very wealthy. I, I do not believe in limits. I can only fail upward. It's, it's a superpower at this point. Like the concept of just like, you know, just like managing expectations. It's all like, no, I'm going to have an idea. I'm going to, going to coerce some people to go along with it and we'll see where it takes us. That's always fun. Like at the moment I'm in this podcast I'm trying to work out an audio drama with another friend. I'm trying to work out a food podcast with, you know, just friends. Um, working on a business. Like, I, I don't know. If I have an idea, I'm going to run with it. <laughs> I love hearing that. Yeah, I There's love some- hearing that. I, and Sabrina, I'm your age. So it's that that is what the the expectations around me certainly put me into a, a very particular shape, one that I might not have taken for myself. So to hear JD say, oh, no, I'm going to try. I'm going to fail. I'm going to try again. That is that's some kind of progress. Right. It is, yeah, it is. A lot of my daughter, my young daughter is the same. I think the younger ones, they, they don't see any type of limits, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to push forward, which is just great. Right. <laughs> which makes, just which great. makes everything we went through worth it. Right. Yeah. Worth it. Hear them yeah. say, yeah. they're just going to do this. And I, I love their fearlessness. I, I love, love it. I just love it. Because we were so, you know, I mean, I remember my father. Now he's, uh, you know, he's another generation older, and he's from Virginia. This is a man. He was so afraid for me with my crazy stuff that I wanted to do, and he just let me go. You know, I can just see this black man that from Virginia. Loving. You're gonna go drive where in a car by yourself, and you're going with all these white kids where? <laughs> and I was just lottie diving along, and he was terrified for me, but. He let me go. And, you know, we listen to it now today. And it's just like, you hear these kids say things and you're like, yeah, but that's their reality. What a loving thing for him to do. You know, absolutely. it's so easy for a parent to be fearful and go, no, no, be safe. Be here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to teach you how to do a few cure moves. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was ready to deal. So, <laughs> you about to be ready to protect yourself. All right, now. But I have one last question. I want to go back to here. I just wanted to ask this question. One of the things I love, we were talking about monsters and, and new monsters. One of the monsters that we love so much from Deep Space Nine, Kai Wynn. Mm. What was oh, it like Louise. working with Louise Fletcher, who I Louise. love? Oh my gosh. I don't think, I mean, I think she looks so sweet and there's such evil coming from her. It's unbelievable when she is doing Kai Win, when she is doing, you know, one flew over the this cuckoo's nest, all, every, everything that she's done. She's so, uh, I would, I would have to, uh, I would have to, build myself up to come up against her because it's so powerful. And yet off the set there, she's as sweet as she looks. So sweet. And she would easily laugh and I could easily break her up, which was a very naughty thing I love to do. And then she couldn't stop. And she had this sweetest tinkling laugh, which didn't make any sense with who she was on camera. It was like two totally different (laughs) things. She's she's an amazing actor and a really kind woman, really kind. She did a Perry Mason and I saw her. I'm like, oh, that's Louise Fletcher. Yeah. (laughs) And because I'm a Perry Mason uh, freak and she was and of course she's one that you know she was the victim not the victim she was the person that supposedly did the murder but she of was course so- <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't believe she did this I'm like, but that's Kaiwen yeah she did it no, no we knew she did it <laughs> <laughs> 
that's, that's how we get typecast. Oh, no, that's Kai Wynn. She did it. It was her. Like, we know, it was Kai Wynn. You, you're, you're Kira Narese. No, you're not going to do any other roles. You're Kira. Damn it. Like, oh, uh, actually, I can do some more. Thanks. <laughs> um, but, you know, before we go, I know time is getting really short. I wanted to ask you about this Instagram thing you've got going with the oh yes yes thank you um yeah it's nothing really to do with star trek at all it it started during the pandemic when i saw young people having such anxiety and i just i felt this overwhelming need to connect and tell them some information i had about anxiety about how our brains and bodies work and how to modulate some of it because we can and uh my my agent said you're doing what and I said I'm gonna be mom and not and I'm just gonna talk to people about being human and she said oh god don't do it don't do it you know you get chewed up on and it's true stuff happens on on social media we all know it Mm -hmm. but this is yet another reason to practice good boundaries and good integrity Mm -hmm. and um it's been really a wonderful uh experience to just see people you know tell them go read this book and they read it and they go got it that's wonderful that helped or to see people just get a concept and realize oh I'm the one who has to take um, accountability for my body and brain. Uh It's not about who did what to me. Now Mm -hmm. it's up to me. Now let's get this under control so that I can do what I want in life. And I think that's the answer. And then go out and be in the community, you know, Mm -hmm. but bring your best that you can afford, as Fran said. Don't Mm -hmm. do something that you don't have. That's right. That's, that's what that's all about. Oh, I can't wait to look. I had no idea that you were doing that. And so now I'm like, oh, I can't wait to right. start watching this, to see this. Good. Yeah. Yep. 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 I love, I love the fact that um, one of the reasons that I respect you so much is always because of your generosity of spirit with the fans in the community, um, how you've never put yourself up as an actress who's on some other pedestal level that is not also a human being Mm -hmm. you know and that you see yourself as part of the human family and and that's portrayed and you have a lot of respect for the fans and you know that really comes through and you know we just love you to pieces Mm -hmm. and we will forever love you girl forever forever ever ever ever. (laughs) some of us will see you on the cruise we will have a blast. We will have a blast. <laughs> Promised. It will be fun. Good. That's yes. that's not too far away now. Nope. Good. No, yep. it's around and, the corner. And I hope to meet all of you in person at some oh, yes. point. And I'm sure so. we will. I hope you I come hope back so when the uh, when the book comes out. I hope you just you uh you come I would back. Love to. Yeah. We would love to this make sure wonderful. that everyone knows everything about it. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, we can't wait. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Uh, I mean, it's just, I'm I'm so tickled and I'm so pink and and my little brown cheeks are pink because I'm blushing because I'm really (laughs) excited. (laughs) And it's been wonderful. Thank you. And uh, Yvette, you want to let people know how they can get in touch with us and let us know thoughts about this show or any other show. Okay, you can find us at I mean, sci-fi-sisters.com. That's S-Y-F-Y-S-I-S-T-A-S.com. Join us on the Mothership. That's M-U-T-H-A-S-H-I-P. And the Sci-Fi Sisters Book Club, both on Facebook. Download the Trek Geeks Network app where you can find us and our family of podcasts on the Trek Geeks Network. On Instagram, sci-fi.sisters. And we are also on the Twitter at Sci-Fi Sisters. After listening to this podcast, please rate us and write a review. We may just read it on an upcoming episode. Hey, y'all. Are you looking for that perfect holiday or birthday gift for that special geek in your life? Why not check out the world's first app-enabled triple from Jay and Kalia at Science Division? 
These soft and cuddly fuzz buckets actually trill for friends and squeal at Klingons. Adopt your triple today at Science Division. That's sciencediv.com. Science Division. By fans, for fans. Trouble's never been this fun. And Mama Nana, where can people find you on Instagram? At Visitor Nana. Thank you. And That's where I live. Thank you, ladies. This is you guys a got that pleasure. Thank oh. you so much. Thank you. I mean, oh, so thankful. Thank you for yeah. gracing our space. Yes. We're so delighted. Mm-hmm. And thanks everybody for listening. And so we're out of here. Peace, love, and hair grease, y'all. Bye.